This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Great day, great to have you here. We have a really fun service ahead as we're launching this next series called Flourish. And the series is going to have three parts to it. Flourish, the first one we're looking at today is getting to the getting to the who. Like, who do we want to have flourish? Part two, it starts with us. That's next week. That's Jonathan and Chelsea. Part three, now's the time. that We'll be very honored to have Reverend David Linders doing that one. A great way to start is we start to look at what it means to actually flourish. Now, to get in touch with the who, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a question up here And what I'd like you to do is you can text an answer into me. And I'm also going to be walking around with the microphone, giving you a chance to respond. Because I want you to hear a who. I want you to hear a who. The question is this. What have you witnessed over the past week that brought you hope? What have you witnessed over the past week that brought you hope? doesn't have to be some big elaborate thing. It could be something very small, but I'm going to be walking around asking a few people to share that. And again, for our online audience, you're welcome to text that in. And you're welcome to chit-chat a little bit while I come off the stage to share that with the partner. So let's take a look at that question. What have you witnessed over the past week that brought you hope? All right, folks, we're going to go ahead and get started here. So you give us a start there. Where did you witness hope this week? Okay, I'm uh, Mary Jane Youngie. I was, actually I'm cheating because this goes back to two or three weeks ago when I was in Louisiana for the great flood of 2016. And there was so much destruction and so much, uh, it was an overwhelming time. But what was the most overwhelming thing was everywhere you went where people were pulling stuff out of, not only their own homes, but everybody else's homes, people in boats, rescuing one another. Every store you went into, people were encouraging one another. People were praising God over and over again for the good that was being brought out in people. And just, it was... It was such a beautiful thing great. to witness. Great. So that gave me great hope. That's great. So even in a hurricane, you see hope. Where's another one out there, folks? I read an article this morning in the Philadelphia Inquirer about a group called the Soul Sisters, and it's made up of women who are Jewish, Christian, and Muslim, and they get together on a regular basis and actually talk about spiritual questions and share commonality and empathy. That's excellent. New Church Live also has a group called Soul Sisters, by the way. What's another one? And by the way, I'm under strict commandments from Jessica Carswell not to mention that Penn State won yesterday. I'm not supposed to say that, just so you know. Uh, yes, um, I, I witnessed uh, four churches in our area coming together to welcome a uh, Congolese family who had spent 20 years in a Tanzanian refugee camp, and they arrived in Philadelphia on the 31st, and they are now settled in uh, Montgomery County over by Springfield. It's it's like a miracle's come together. It's a family of about 14 people it's extended family and the and the people in one of the people found this one residence that uh was empty and talked the owners into leasing it for the next 10 months to this family yeah that'll that'll give you hope that'll give you hope right there and i'm gonna have gary close here 
my friends was involuntarily committed for uh, alcohol and addiction issues, and I was really saddened by it at first, and then I thought, you know, this might be her chance to regroup and to be born again, put it all back together. Great. So please give everyone a round of applause. So my hope this week was real simple. I am blessed with a wonderful family. And uh, just getting a chance, I have a daughter who I love dearly, who's here today from Denver, Colorado. So she's a big part of my hope. And uh, yes, Brooke. And we get a chance to witness that hope all the time, right? You know, and it's interesting because, because that's the who. That's the who. That's the part of you I want to be talking about over these next three weeks. That's the part to flourish. I could have gone around and just said, I want everybody to share how bad life was this week. And you all would have had an answer. Some of you more than one answer. But maybe we have a choice. Maybe we can choose flourishing in a different way. Of course, life has its obstacles, You know, the idea that flourishing is about a new focal point, one that colors our ordinary lives and the mundane realities we live in with a bright, hope-filled trust in God. Of course, we have that. That's what we're trying to do. And that can be a reality. And then it's faced against this reality. Take a look at that for a minute. (laughs) That'll drive the engineers in here crazy. You know, life has those realities too. We have this idea that this is what This is what flourishing can be. And then we also have this other part, that life seems to give us obstacles all the time. And there's this beautiful French word when we start to get ground down by that. Could we say ennui? Ennui. And it sounds nice, but it's not a nice word. Ennui, this is how Seth Godin defined it. Ennui is the exhaustion we feel when we fall too in love with what might or should be and ignore the wonder that's already here and available right now. It's where we get ground down. And life can feel like that. And then we, then we start trying to live into a different who. Then this who that's connected around hope that really can actually flourish and flourish incredibly well. The Bible, you know, it's real important to understand that the Bible understands that. The Lord's word understands that. A lot of people look at the, the, the word, and if you mention the Bible, they think of it like this, this pure, pristine document where no one had a doubt. No one had a bad day. <laughs> I can guarantee you it takes about five pages into the Bible before you realize that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the fact that we all do have challenges, especially when you look at some of the stories from the Psalms. I'm worn out calling for help. My eyes fail looking for my God. So we can see that there's, there, yeah, the Bible is filled with these challenges, but it keeps on anchoring back to hope. It keeps on anchoring back to hope. So as the band comes out, I want you to look at this concept of flourishing, the flourishing is a, please say it, a, a practice, an opening of the human spirit where life becomes a valued expression of ultimate commitments. I would take a picture of that. Where lives become, that's beautiful phrasing there, right? Become a valued expression of ultimate commitments. What really matters, what really lasts, what is actually real. That's the who we want to get in touch with. 
There's another who that, that can get us lost. But let's really come back after this song. Let's think, what does that who look like? And how do I feed into that more and more and more? You know, beautiful, right? And, and that idea of walking in this journey and, and how do we flourish? Like, and I'm thinking about, again, all the, all the high school students in here. Wow, I remember my first day of high school. The primary word that comes to mind is terrified. You know, just simply, how many of us remember that? Right? Remember the cafeteria in high school? That must be one of the most terrifying geographic locations on the planet. It, it's, it can be, like, really difficult. And how do we find a way to flourish? And again, I think it starts with a who. And it starts with what we pay attention to. Again, here are some other ones that came in from our, from our online audience. Um, uh, our daughter kicking off her first week in college in an unexpectedly positive way. A Facebook post about a grocery store food truck delivery to a family. Conquering a past fears and demons by a loved one. That comes to us from out west in Arkansas. Listening to the stories of uh, my Naranon meeting. Turning to a page in the Bible and seeing it reinforced. Last night, this beautiful sunset. And we saw a rainbow as well. Last night's sunset was beautiful, by the way, up here as well. That comes to us from Maryland. Witnessing a homeless individual give his food to another homeless person. So these stories are all around us. And what they do, folks, is that they're reminding us that we always have a choice. Now, I'm going to split it down the half right here. So if you're on this side of Marcus, you're going to say false self. You're on this side of Marcus, you're going to say true self. All right? So let's practice one time. We have the... And we have the true self. self. We have the false self and the true self. Life is about like which one are we kind of going to work with, right? We have a, and we have a, it's important to understand that. New church theology, we would call it our soul versus our proprium, what's on the inside versus what's on the outside, true self, false self. It's important to understand this dichotomy because that will help us sharpen up who the who is. Now, one of the people is one of the best, he offers some of the best language around this is a Franciscan by the name of Richard Rohr, who's going to share a little bit with us here. It's just a one-minute clip. And yes, you'll see Richard Rohr. And yes, I disturbingly look like Richard Rohr, but that's really not me on the screen. Um, I, I think I told this in here before. Richard, when I got a chance to have lunch with him, I told him that people say we look alike. He rubbed my head and went, I wonder why. Uh, so, so as you see him here, he offers a brilliant observation. True self, false self. Let's hear him and then let's continue to sharpen it. Take a look at this video. By true self, I mean who you objectively are in God, to use religious language. This is not your creation. It's nothing that you manufacture. It's not your personality. It's your soul. Your false self is what you do manufacture or create. That doesn't make it bad, but it simply makes it passive. Once you get contact, make contact with your true self, there's a natural correspondence between who you are and who God is. This concocted self, this manufactured identity, which is who we all think we are, that has to go. The phrase you must die before you die, in one form or another, is found in most of the world religion. If you don't learn how to die early, ahead of time, you spend the rest of your life avoiding all failure, humiliation, death. But your true self 
is that part of you that already knows God, already loves God at some unconscious level. And when you can free that, the whole spiritual life opens up. Some very deep wisdom there. I love what he says about the false self kind of being the manufactured self. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, it's, it's what I would call, what David Brooks has called very aptly, the resume virtues. You know, those things that we start to manufacture, that we create, and they're important. They matter. They, they get us moving. But here's the part, folks, and he says this so well and it's so true. All of that is passing. All of that is passing. It's important, it moves us forward, and it is passing. We can start to to then tap into the true self. We can start to see something that's much greater. And when we start to move from the false self to the true self, boy, things start to open. Like I I was was, uh, watching a few nights ago, you know, some young adults and just, and just watching those young adults who had gotten to the point, remember this, where you finally felt like you were comfortable in your own skin. Could you give a big, wow. It felt so nice and it was wonderful to watch. And then there were those who were still just couldn't quite do it. And, and again, it's not making that bad and wrong. It's just saying, yeah, I've been there. I remember that. And now it feels so much better kind of easing into my own skin into who I am. What's interesting in the words of Eckhart Tolle is what starts to shift here as we start to see our happiness outside of circumstances. This is a beautiful line. Anyone who is depending on external circumstances to make them happy is making it clear they never actually wish to be happy. That's good. That's really good. It's true, and the false self will base it all on circumstances. It will create them, but then, you know, it, it just it gets caught in this relentless energy to always be that thing. And that can be incredibly draining, I think, over time. And we're asked instead to maybe find a deeper part here, a deeper part of a true self. And I think, folks, this is the analogy I would use, right? We had this hurricane, right? And we, we all know it messed. Everyone knows it messed. It gave us a beautiful sunset and it messed us. But imagine even like those storm pictures down there. The false self are kind of the waves. They're they're driven by the winds, the winds of culture, the winds of worry, the winds of fear. Sometimes the hurricane can happen and man, it really gets going. It really gets going. But the true self, the true self, the true self, that's where we slip underneath the waves. If you're 100 meters under the ocean and there's a hurricane on top, what's life like? Peaceful. You know, and that's where like we kind of have to choose. We have to understand, yep, there, there's going to be that and there's going to be this. And in which direction am I going to go? Now, the Bible has a beautiful, beautiful story to tell us about this. An incredibly beautiful story. So I'm going to be moving over here. I'm going to be talking about that story and using some props to kind of show what it's talking about. This story is actually from Luke chapter 6. Take a look at this story up here. So this is from Luke 6. And again, I want to drive this service to, to really getting this line. I mean, this is kind of the linchpin of the whole thing. It's a beautiful, beautiful phrase 
from, from Luke 6. You know, and here Christ is asking, you know, people are asking sort of, well, how do I do it? How do I make, find heaven? How do I find the kingdom of God? Typical questions that people were asking of a man who was getting to be known to be a very, very famous prophet. And here is where he gives an answer. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, as many of you know, you know, I'm a, I'm a former history teacher, so I can kind of, you know, I, I, I find the history of this stuff so fascinating because we can, we can blast through that without getting what it's really saying. I can actually remember when people weighed things. Anybody remember that from grocery stores where they actually weighed things? You know, now everything is prepackaged, but back then you, you actually, you, you weighed it. That's what this is talking about. Now, it starts with just saying, give, and it will be given to you. Give, and it will give. So that idea of, yeah, I have to have this giving soul. A good measure pressed down. So let's look at that good measure. So the good measure part, like, here's a measure, folks, right? And, and this was so important. They did, again, you didn't go and buy a box of cereal. You went and you bought X amount of weight in flour. So, so what that meant is that you got the flour, you know, and, and for a lot of people, you know, they do it like that, right? Can you see that a little bit? They just kind of like, how do I just get it over the top? And please, no one tell my wife I took her flour this morning. But it's saying something different here. A good measure shaking down together and running over. So what it's talking about here is Christ taking this and saying, I'm going to press this down. I'm going to keep on loading and loading until you end up with that. Until you end up with that. Can you see flourish there? Can you see what Christ is actually talking about? That it's this much richer thing and that it will actually be running over. And then he talks about like what it would look like as a liquid. And he said, well, as a liquid, it would be just, just literally spilling all over the place, spilling everywhere, spilling onto your lap even. That's what's being offered if we can get the who right. And, and maybe I shouldn't even use the word right. Maybe as we let the true who, the true actually who we are and God and who God is in us, as we allow that to come more and more to life, things will start to grow. Now, this is significant, folks. And I want to take a look at this line here, this next line. This is what Emmanuel Swedenborg in the book Divine Providence, how he would say it. What this is all about. He's saying it's about the blessing on people who live good and caring lives because they are, please say that word, because they are, and, and let's say that one more time, and forgiving and generous. Now I was thinking, how could I drive this home? And we're going to have a little contest here and you're going to win a crueler. All right, if you win this. Now, this is big for me because this is my favorite donut, and it's the one I eat every Sunday morning, but I'm giving it to you because I'm being generous this morning. All right? Now, who is the person? You got to shout it out really fast. All right? Way back in the day before there was Dunkin' Donuts and buying donuts at Wawa, etc., and you actually used to go to a store to buy donuts at a donut shop, what was it called when you were given 13 donuts? Who set it down here? All right, come on up here. Give, give Nick, Nick, that was you, right? Give Nick a round of applause. <laughs> there you go. 
you know, that's the baker's dozen, right? That's how we're supposed to live. Where, where yeah, you know what? People ask for 12 and we give them 13. That's that generosity. That's the real who. And it's interesting because the, the uh, you know, forgiveness and generosity, folks, like when we're forgiving, we become generous. When we're generous, we become forgiving. And let's go back to that line again. I want to read back that last line out of Luke 6. Listen to this, the way Christ ends this about, about other people. He says, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. See, I, I, my view of God has changed so much over the years. And I just, I, I thank God that it has changed. I used to see that this way. Like, for the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then there was sort of a Darth Vader voice behind that. Right? And now I hear more of a Bert and Ernie voice. You know, a Lewis Gossett Jr. voice. And it's saying, look, in the measure you use, that's what's going to come back to you. You've lived it out. So it's going to come back in. You've lived a baker's dozen. I'm going to give you even more. Generous, Forgiving people find a lot of generosity and forgiveness in their lives. Do we know that? Yes or no? Yeah, we know that. We know that. It's not a threat. It's a promise. It's a promise. And you see, it's not the manufactured self. It's not the false self that's, that, that's, that's, that's trying to accumulate power, prestige, possessions. Those things are good, and they're good in the form of useful service. And they're part of a manufactured self that eventually will go. None of us carry that with us. And so we have to pay attention. We have to come to pay attention to this true self. This idea of these measures. And really allowing that to breathe in. And here's the miracle part, folks. That even breathes new life into the false self. It illuminates it in a far different way. You think about the story Gary said, like the different perspectives that he could have had on that. You know, and we can see that true self, false self. And it's much better for us to live as much as we can into that true self. Then we get that there's a different who. Now I want to share a video with you here with, with Prince Ian. And he's, he's going to talk about kind of the true self. And he's going to use the true self as an analogy of the sky. And I think it's a really beautiful way to hold it. As we try to talk about what are the ways we can actually live into this. So take a look at what he has to say. You are not depressed. Stop saying that. Oh, snap. I got people mad already, ready to go off on me in the comments. How dare you question my depression? Hold on. Hold on. Don't be so quick to protect that which causes you suffering. Let's speak honestly. You may be experiencing a depression right now, but you are not depressed. And I'm going to show you why. And this shift, if remembered, will change your life forever. You ready? See, you are the sky. Depression, frustration, sadness, these are passing clouds. They come, they go. Some are black, some are white. Sometimes they pepper the sky, and sometimes they fill the sky. But they always come and go. Because they, even though they seem like it, 
are not the sky. If they were, then when they went, the sky would go too. And the sky is always there. So likewise, if frustration, depression, and sadness were you, then when they went, you would go. But that's not what happens, is it? But no, you are always here. You are that which these things appear in front of. You are the witness, the perceiver of depression. And that which perceives depression is not depressed. See, imagine this remote control is depression. So you got you, and then you got depression. Depression comes, it goes. It comes, it stays for a while, it goes. But you are always here. Big problems come when you start to identify as depression. Never identify with that which comes and goes. Now pause the video right now and take some time with this. This is life changing. There's an old saying, before enlightenment, I was depressed. After enlightenment, still depressed. But it's totally different now. I no longer identify with the depression. I realize that it wasn't me. I observe it, allow it to come and go without resisting it. This is freedom. This is truth. You are greater than anything that comes and goes. Peace. Beautiful line. You are greater than anything that comes and goes. You are greater than anything that comes and goes. Your soul is this. Your soul is who you are in God and who God is in you. New Church, what we believe is from the very beginning of eternity. You know, God created you. Like this creation has been ongoing and there's this, this deeply embedded inner self, this spark, this divine spark that all of us carry. All of us. We can never get rid of it. Onto that, God gives us these beautiful memories, these beautiful stirrings of affections as we grow up and, and we watch our families and our children and we start school again and we make friends and all these. That those become these beautiful remains that connect to this deep inner self. And that becomes our true self. And we have to be so aware about which we're going to feed. There is this false self. Again, it's a manufactured part. Important. It helps to get us up in the morning. It gets us to work hard. It gets us to concern ourselves with getting our homework done, getting our resume, practicing hard, all of those things. So it's not that it's unimportant. But it's a means to an end. A means that will help us discover again and again who we actually are and who we are in Christ. Who we are in Christ. And if we can do that, folks, if we can sit to that who part, hope totally changes. And if you're feeling hopeless, maybe the wrong you is asking. I want to say that again. If you're, if you're feeling hopeless, maybe the wrong you, the wrong who is asking. Because this deeper who, when it sees hope, it sees hope for what it really is. It's not an objective hope in a thing, but it's hope that we've talked about here again and again and again. And I just want to drive this home. I feel like I preach on it every week, and I should, which is hope is love stretching into the future. Coming back to that true self. 
And that's where we can really flourish. That's where life can expand and grow. And that's what we're going to try to move through in this series. And, and that's, again, folks, like it gets into the small groups. It gets into what we're doing next week. It, it gets into, into reconnect. It gets into Kevin Hines. It gets into trying to find ways to create a community where that flourishing just grows and grows and grows, where we're supporting each other in that. And it's a great endeavor. So thank you for joining us today. I'm now going to offer a prayer. You have the opportunity to say your own prayer, to say the Lord's Prayer as you know it, or to have a moment of quiet reflection. And then we have a great last song. So if you're feeling like flourishing over the last song and you want to stand up and sing along with the band, we're going to go out here with a big flourish. So please feel free to join them. A prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. And Lord, help us to find ways to flourish. Help us to find ways, Lord, where we can be forgiving and generous. Really acting into that, into our lives, Lord. Finding a way to connect more and more to who our true selves actually are. We heard them, Lord. We heard the stories from our true selves at the beginning of the service. Lord, allow that to be the stories, the stories of our life. Stories of our life. Where yes, in darkness, disappointment, and despair, we still return to the light, a light of hope, a light calling us home, a light of your love and your care and your providence. Be with us in that place, Lord. Be with us this week. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.